choices. And what's powerful about choices is that choice is always on and always available. And where choice lives is this present moment. Hey there, friend. This is Stephanie Crevins, and you are listening to the Mid-Level Leaders Hot Mess Hotline, where we share top-level executives' hard-earned success stories with my ambitious leaders who are managers, directors, and maybe even vice presidents in your current company. And you're wondering, what does it take to be even more successful? And today's conversation with Karamanja, I hope, redefines how you think about success. It's as simple as that, my friends. This is an unbelievably powerful conversation about how to create success in your own terms. Let me tell you a little bit more about Karen before we dig into the conversation so you can learn why she has the street cred to share with you what not to do and what to do to define success on your own terms. So she is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. She has four books out and we're going to put those in the show notes because I want you to get your hands on these books. First, Success From Anywhere, Create Your Own Future of Work, from the inside out. Second, working from home, making the new normal work for you. Third, listen up, how to tune into customers and tune down the noise. And then, and this was her first one, success with less. All right, my friends, let's dig into this conversation so you can learn more about how to create success for your own life right now, starting today. Let's go. Okay, so Karen, tell us about your hot mess, please. My hot mess is seeing my saboteurs, those voices that we all have inside of our heads that talk to us and say really unfortunate things that limit us, Mm -hmm. really seeing my saboteurs, getting to know them, and in an ideal world, trying to find and make peace with them so that they don't run my life or that chatter in my head on such a consistent basis. Yes. Can you tell us about what were your saboteurs saying to you? One of my saboteur voices, and I think it's one that many of us share in a sense, affects our relationship with success. Mm. I am one of the people who along the way bought into the belief that success is about more, right? do more, to have more, to be more. And that will sum up to success. Yes. Except it didn't really work that way for a couple of reasons. First of all, when I came into the professional workforce, I didn't grow up with a lot of professional female role models around me. I was, however, a great student. So I did two things. The first was I brought forward what I learned in childhood, you know, the gold star chore chart mentality. Oh, God, yes. Yes. You perform this expected list of tasks and behaviors in our preferred way. You get the lick and stick gold star. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, it's good. I mean, you know, we need to learn to be accountable for participating in helping in the household and, you know, having a good attitude. And yet, yes, it fed into my do more to have more to be more, be pleasing, easy and agreeable sort of way of being. Yes. And the second thing I did in the workplace is I became a great student of these people I thought looked successful. And I thought, well, I'll just do what they do. Yes. We all kind of mimic them. And what I thought I saw was successful people say yes. 
You know, whatever comes their way, the extra assignment, the stretch project, then they deliver in a way that looks somewhat effortless. And then they are rewarded with more, you know, more pay, more title, more promotions, and ultimately more access. My formula for success of do more to have more to be more caught up with me in a very significant way, a little further down the line in my career. when. I'd been having a series of, of symptoms and I started gaining some weight and I thought, well, I've been having these customer dinners, I'm eating more, then I'm skipping working out in the morning to make up for the work I didn't do the night before, so of course. And I was noticing I didn't have my same energy level. And one day, I'll never forget this, I picked up my mobile phone to call my brother. I could not remember his name. And I was in my early 30s. And I have one brother and I speak to him every week. And I had to use a process of elimination to deduce we had the same last name so I could filter my contact list down to that list of names. Oh, gosh. That ended up sending me on a major medical misdiagnosis journey for three and a half years where my hair fell out, my skin turned gray, I had constant fatigue. I gained 55 pounds without having a baby. Mm. And one day I looked in the mirror and my eyes had literally changed color. I mean, I literally didn't know the person looking back at me. Yeah. And I never missed a day of work. Doesn't that sound absurd? When I say that out loud. Yes. Your badge of honor was you never missed work. Never missed work. You know, Mm. I was very committed to success. Yes. And you know, when I think about... Then the next five years after my correct diagnosis to get well, what I realized was it happened. I had DDT pesticide poisoning, which I don't recommend if you're looking to try something. What I really (laughs) came to understand was that was the beginning of the healing journey, Mm -hmm. not just of the toxins that were physically flowing through my body but really a healing journey with the toxic set of beliefs I was carrying about myself, my value, and what success is that I needed to heal. Those toxic beliefs were more damaging really in a sense than that toxin that was pulsing through my physical being. And that became a turning point for me in my relationship with success and starting to get a lot more curious about the ways that we all sabotage ourselves based on that inside voice that's saying you're not enough or you don't belong or you've got to try a little harder or you know just follow the rules or blend in right none of which contributes to true belonging right when you blend you no longer belong to yourself or to any other community or group either Yes. Oh my gosh. And the the theme that I'm I'm picking up from I know the brief version of a very painful time in your life is being externally motivated to what we think motivates other people. There's a training that we somehow go through in our career, you know, the step 2 of what you said where it looked like effortless delivery. And all of us who are overachievers and hopefully just high achievers on our best days, we hide all of that pain, 
hard work, emotional turmoil, stress about decision making because we want other people to think, oh, this is easy for us, which is a version of the blend in, which is a version of people pleasing. And my stomach is in knots for, for that, for you at that time. And it's, I think it's also in knots for my clients. It's in knots for myself because I, I've done the exact same thing. And it started with a seemingly random mix of symptoms that I'm sure like your doctor thought had a thousand different possibilities or just wanted to blame on stress, right? Yeah. Um, which was definitely a piece of it. My gosh. So I'm trying to think like, where do we start with this? Because there's so many good, good things here. Well, what you said reminds me of a story. I had a full circle moment when I was writing my most recent book, Success From Anywhere. Mm -hmm. And the subheader of that book is create your own future of work from the inside out. Oh, yes. And when I was thinking about how to frame a book that's about the future of work, you know, how to re rework work yes. in a constructive way, I started thinking about how much of who we are and how we feel on the inside affects our relationship with work and how it shows up in our lives. And during the pandemic, I got incredibly consistent about my meditation practice and starting my day that way, along with yoga and gratitude as a tool to be well. And it was interesting because what I discovered right before I started writing that manuscript was starting my day with the focus of being calm and centered and grateful put me in a mindset that when I showed up at work, I didn't need work to give me acceptance mm -hmm. or approval or love or belonging or validation. I was free to show up and be of service because everything I had spent those years making myself so ill chasing yes. that I was looking for on the outside, I had this powerful discovery. Everything I was looking for on the outside was available inside. I just wasn't there yet in being ready to accept that and to have the tools and the support system around me to go inside and to be able to provide those things to myself. We can all do that. And what I found is when I started showing up differently at work, work started showing up differently for me and it felt a lot more effortless in a way that was authentic. Yes. yes. I didn't need work to love me back anymore. Yes. My friend who's listening in, if you take nothing away from this episode, I need you to revisit these last 90 seconds every day of your life. When you show up differently, when you accept the responsibility to get your own needs met and not put that obligation on other people, what you see, how you see it drastically changes and you get a level of fulfillment that you can't find in any other way. 
I mean, I'm like, I, I'm trying not to cry just thinking about the power of what that means because I've definitely experienced that in my life too. Can we go back to the diagnosis of DDD stuff? I know I'm switching switching us around timeline wise, well, and know. it's like we got the the good stuff and the the endpoint. Let's fill in all the mess, messy middle, right? Yes. One, just to underscore the time that this stuff kind of takes. How long ago was that in your life, roughly? Just so we can help people frame up that you're always a work in progress and you know, now is now and it's good stuff, but help us understand how long in time has this journey been? I started with that major mis medical misdiagnosis in my early thirties. Okay. It took three and a half years to get to a correct diagnosis and changing to lots of different physicians until I found one that I really felt heard me, saw me, trusted me, and we could build a relationship to go on this journey of discovery together. Yes. So that was three and a half years from the time of that diagnosis through treatment to a completely clean bill of health was another five years. Wow. So that was an elapsed eight and a half year journey. Okay. And in the years that followed that completely clean bill of health, where of course my priority during that period of time was to be healthy enough to enjoy my life. Yes. And to make space to be well. It really informed my priorities and how and where and with whom I spent my time. The gift that carries forward for me from that time of being so ill for so long, and relatively speaking, earlier in life than some people might encounter that kind of a transformative experience is that I have a much better early warning system now that I'm tuned into mm -hmm. about when I am starting to live outside of alignment with my values mm -hmm. and how I feel. And I, I like to think about it this way. I mean, perhaps before activity addiction was my runaway train, right? And it could yes. really start barreling down the tracks and gaining yes. momentum. Now I start to catch that one or two stops into the train journey before it becomes a speeding bullet train. Yes. That's the difference. It's not because fundamentally at my core, I've completely unwound that saboteur of being a pleaser. It's not gone. It's easier for me to sit in that train and look at that saboteur pleasing voice next to me and just say, I see you there. And we have taken a very long trip together. I'm not willing to punch the ticket at all the stops this time. Thank you, though. Yes, yes. And choose differently. And I think when I think about the routines, rituals, and boundaries that we all have the opportunity to put in place on a daily basis, you know, I think about how do we put even 30-second or one-minute or five-minute pauses in that help us take a breath mm -hmm. and just get out of that cortisol-laden activity mode? Yes to see that we always have choices available to us. And when we're on that runaway train feeling, it feels like we have no choices and we're just strapped in and hanging on for the ride. Yes, yes, yes. That, that completely resonates with me. My metaphor when I get in the addiction, the activity addiction, as you use, I love that. My metaphor is, is it feels like a roller coaster where it's, you know, my business is like, Awesome. I'm so excited. I can't wait. And these kind of come in cycles during the year or with a or certain project, whatever that is, right? It's like, ch -ch -ch -ch, and you go down the hill and then all of a sudden I'm in one loop and you're upside down. I'm like, oh, that's fun. 
And then the next loop and I'm upside down. Oh, that's fun. But then next thing I know, I'm just keep going like this and this and this. And then I just like want to get off because I feel sick because I'm just going upside down, upside down so fast. And that's once I've hit like one or two loops, I'm like, that's all I need. That's when it's still fun. It's time to get off the roller coaster. <laughs> so that's the I, way I can articulate I it. I hear you. And I think about how do we all raise our baseline level of happiness on a day-to-day basis so that we can spend less time on what I think about as dopamine hit happiness. Yes. Woo, I got great news. I feel awesome. Then a little bit later, I feel terrible. I went on an amazing vacation. Woo, I'm falling in love. Woo. And then it sort of crashes back. Yes. I just think about how do we invest in on a day-to-day basis, raising our baseline level of being and happiness and joy and contribution so that it's sustainable as opposed to the roller coaster, the Ferris wheel, the highs and lows and peaks and valleys. Yes, agreed. And, and I'm going to add the layer of taking the responsibility for creating that for yourself, not putting that on other people. How would you say that you took responsibility for your own happiness, your own level of contribution, your own peace, your own sense of self that finally said, this is my life. Like, this is my life. I'm going to figure out how to be happy regardless of what my manager thinks, regardless of what a significant other might think, regardless of fill in the blank person says, I'm going to take responsibility for living this one life in the way that I want to. Have you ever had someone who speaks a truth to you that's so profound that you're simultaneously extremely angry or having a strong emotion and yet getting a glimpse of the keys to your own freedom? (laughs) Yes. Yes, sister. Yes. (laughs) In my case, I had an executive coach and I went through the 360 listening feedback activity. And in my mind, I thought, I've done this before. I will hear this feedback. We will select one behavior change. I will message this to my team and my colleagues. I will work on this. We will check on progress. I will finish this program and then I will get my promotion and be on my way. And I saw it as a means to an end. Yes. (laughs) And I will never forget because I drove to her house to do this 360 readout in person. She has dark hair and glasses that are rimless. So picture you can see her eyes, but she looks very wise because of the glasses. Her dark hair is pinned up. She's wearing a perfectly crisp white collared shirt. We're sitting at her patio table and there's a pool in the background. And I'm listening to the feedback and I'm thinking, okay, I'm already thinking ahead to what I'm going to choose to work on. To oh, so you weren't really listening? Is that what you're willing to admit? Yes. <laughs> I was like, just got to check the box here. Yep. And I she paused and I said, without any prompting from her, okay, well, the behavior I will work on is X. And she tipped her chin down and looked at me over her glasses. And she said, we're not here for you to check a box on a temporary change. My role here is to help you understand the lifelong patterns that are at the root of these behaviors that are blocking you from being a better leader and a better human being. And I thought, what? 
that kind of coaching is transformative because what I believed up until that point was that I could fairly effectively compartmentalize my messy life, upbringing, trauma, drama, and my work life where I thought, you know, I'm an amazing, warm, connected, effective leader. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made it to this level, right? Or be considered for this promotion. She was the first person who ever challenged me on and held me accountable for who you are is who you are, regardless of whether that is a boardroom or a living room. And the same behaviors that are limiting you at work are the same behaviors that are limiting you in your life. The journey of discovery we went on together was transformative. And she was simultaneously tough and accountable and gracious and kind. I dedicated my first book to her. We are still in touch. I am grateful to her for not letting me have the kitchen pass to keep on sliding. Now, I was working with her when I was in that recovery journey, the five years of treatment. And so she became a companion in my get well plan in a really significant sense. And she helped me come to the understanding that no boss could ever or promotion could ever love or approve me enough until I could do that for myself. Yes. Oh my gosh. One, I love this woman. So if you, when you see her next, tell her I'm giving her a, a metaphysical hug here. That, that her approach resonates with our approach so much. This is how when you balance that kindness with assertiveness, right? That compassion with the directness, because no one else in your work life is ever going to say that to you. And they don't have enough insight to, right? Like that's, that's a bit too far, probably in most cases. But to be able to tr- help you transform, to be able to help you kind of leapfrog past some issues that were deep rooted so that you could see them for what they are and then choose what to keep and what to get rid of. We have to develop that connection with people and say those things to people. That 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 woman personifies what a coach should do for a leader. Um, it's unbelievably beautiful. And I'm grateful for her for doing that work. And I'm grateful for her doing that work with you so that you could then be a role model, you know, to more people uh, moving forward. That's, oh, I love her. I, I mean, and I that moment in your life when time slows down, when it's imprinted in your brain, we all deserve that. So let's take a quick commercial break with that story. I want to come back and let's dig into, okay, so how have you used what you've learned about your saboteurs, about some of that trauma and drama maybe, and, and knowing when to pay attention to it, when to heal from it, when to move forward with it. How do you use that as a leader now? And then we'll, we'll let you get back to changing your part of the world. How about that? Great. All right. Well, we take a quick break from this amazing conversation today. I want to share with you a new tool that I have for you. I think that there's a myth in our workplaces. Let me say this. I know there's a myth in our workplaces that meetings have to suck, and I don't believe that whatsoever. By all accounts, our time in meetings have doubled, if not more, since the start of the pandemic. And this time with your colleagues should not be a waste of time. It should be the most valuable. So if you're looking for more resources to lead meetings that are productive, powerful, 
impactful and have everyone participating, get over to my website at stephaniecrevins.com forward slash lead kickass meetings and get some new tools so that when you leave a meeting with your colleagues, you're not left going, what the actual F was that? You're going, yes, we're going to take on the world together. Let's get this done because it was an unbelievably powerful meeting. Those tools are out there for you, my friends, and they're on my website today, stephaniecrevins.com forward slash lead kickass meetings. Now let's get back into that conversation. All right, Karen. So we're back. You've done a lot of amazing personal work to take full responsibility and accountability for your life. And I want, I want to have the conversation. What have you done differently with your career? Because you know what you know now, and we're not expecting perfection. Cause I know like for those of us who know the journey never ends, right? We're always evolving. We're always growing. And that is certainly a choice, but you know, what, what do you feel has been different for your life as a leader in your career? because you've accepted this responsibility. I am more comfortable communicating my priorities to the people I work for and with. I'm going to use the word priorities different than boundaries. I think sometimes boundaries has this connotation that we must summon all of our willpower to set some sort of fence or guardrail that will be very difficult to maintain and will be met with resistance. Yes. What I find is, our priorities and our values are simply an expression of our preferences in any given moment. And for example, one routine I implemented to support my priority of live well, work well, you know, not hopefully revisit that deep, dark place of medical crisis is end of day rituals. I choose a time each day that I finish work and I have an end of work ritual. And on Friday, it's different. At the end of the day, Friday at 4.45 p.m. Eastern time, I shut down, completely power down my laptop. I congratulate myself for a great week of work and contribution. I walk away. I get my yoga mat. I go to yoga around 5 to 6.30 with my phone on silent. And I return home to transition into the weekend in complete peace. And I share with people what I've discovered about myself is it's easy to give in to just one more syndrome. I'll think, oh, it's Friday. Just one more email or it's the end of the day. Just one more message. Just one more reminder to myself. Just one more, just one more, just one more. And before I know it, it's nine o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, where did my rest time go? I'm comfortable sharing with people. My priority is to do my best work, which means the last meeting I take is at this particular time. And on Friday, it's this time. I can give you my best energy and attention on another date. Yes. It's given me the confidence to say, this is the priority. Or for example, when I'm working on a big project or a deadline, I look at everything else as an or, right? Not an mm -hmm. and. I used to say, well, I'll do, I'll write a book and take a bunch of meetings with people I'm going to mentor. Oh, wow. Oh, you so just completely reframed something for me. Yeah. But yes. Okay. I've before you invest is how I think about it now, which is I'm going to temporarily divest of building and investing in a network or mentoring someone or maybe even being on podcasts because of a higher priority at the moment, a preference to have time to work on writing a book. And when I submit that manuscript, I will consider resuming some of those other activities. Yes. Before I would have done both while also trying to cook Pinterest perfect meals and 
you know, send birthday cards in the mail and all of those things. And now I give myself permission to divest before I invest. I want to remember this for the rest of my life, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. And it choose one thing, do it unbelievably well, dig into it, love it while you're in it. Mm-hmm. And and divest from the stuff that that just doesn't matter right now. And then ah. Oh, and then invest in this deep. Oh my gosh. Like you just moved something deep in my heart that I, mm, I'm going to have to come back to find the words to unbelievable and create choices. Yes. I mean, that's what comes with that. You start to think choices. about choices and what's powerful about choices yes. is that choice is always on and always available. And where choice lives is this present moment. Not the past, not the future. And when I find myself starting to spin or I start to buy into this belief or or live out, there's only one way to win. There's only one way to succeed. Yep. I try to pause. And if I struggle to create choices on my own, I will engage a coach, a colleague, a friend and ask, here's my situation. I'm feeling stuck. We all have times that we feel stuck. Absolutely. What choices do you see in my situation that I don't? Because to your point of coaching, sometimes another perspective is what helps you see choices. The beauty of creating choices is it literally brings you fully into this present moment right now because that's where choice lives. Yes. And I've mirrored the same conversation in coaching with so many leaders. There are always more choices than than we than we believe that we have. And there's definitely a communication habit that we have in the world where we talk about work in some in some places almost like it's slavery. I have to be this. I ha- I have to be here. I have to do this. Uh, my boss says I have to do this, and I refuse to buy into that mentality. And I always want to invite my clients into more choice. How do you how do you feel like your boss, your teammates, your peers, and maybe those are three different answers? interact with those priorities when you communicate them. Well, let's start with what you said there first, which is, you know, people pushing back against choices or holding on to limiting beliefs. And limiting Mm -hmm. beliefs are really what keeps us stuck or trapped. When I encounter that kind of resistance, or I suspect it's a limiting belief that's underneath the resistance, I like to ask one challenge question. Is that true. Is that true? If that is true, what evidence can you give me that it is absolutely 100% absolutely true beyond the shadow of a doubt? Yep. Because this is where the argument starts to break down, right? And then I think about who would you be or who could your team be or who could your organization be without that story or that belief? Yes. Unbelievably powerful. (laughs) Now, when I'm communicating priorities or sharing them with people around me. Candidly, I care less about how they feel about my priorities unless they're just in direct conflict with someone's deeply held value. Yeah. Right. If I'm doing something that is truly outside of, you know, a really important set of respect or way to live, that's fine outside of it. I I don't worry about it so much as I used to. I let go of needing other people to validate my priorities. At this point in life, I'm pretty clear about what the top work outcomes are I need to deliver. I'm pretty clear about what it will take to get those done. And I'm, I'm not needing a big bunch of approval or permission 
from the people around me to make that happen. And this is what I find stops us just short sometimes of communicating yes. our priorities. Yes. Is that within the expression of that priority, we're looking for someone outside of ourselves to give us permission to pursue it. Whether that's taking a vacation, moving a meeting around, taking some time off to go to the doctor. We look for other people to give us permission to do the things we already know we need to do for ourselves. And what I would offer to all of your listeners is permission granted. Right now, imagine I have just given you a permission slip to do for yourself all of the things that you know that you need to do to live well and to work well. Why have you become more successful the more you meet your own priority first? Because I have changed my definition of success. I find it so interesting that we make these appointments with success and they are always out on the horizon. Mm. You know, it's always at some point in the future when some seemingly perfect set of circumstances comes together, then I will be successful. And in our head, we hold the belief that we will know that we are successful and that we'll somehow feel differently. And then your appointment with success gets moved up or moved out onto somebody else's calendar and you think, Oh, wow. Or you get to that outcome and you don't feel the way you thought you would feel or it doesn't last very long. That feeling doesn't stay. I find by taking two words out of my self-talk and in my conversations with others make a difference in the feeling of success is invited and available moment by moment right here, right now, just like choices. Yes. Two very limiting words I have discovered in our relationship with success by now. I mean, think about how often we say this. I should have the promotion by now. The pandemic should be over by now. We should be at back to work by now. We should have viruses figured out by now. Yes. By now means we expect it to have already happened. Hmm. And now we're disappointed that it hasn't. Yeah. And we're doing unnatural things to try to claim something that maybe wasn't meant to be. So when you, when you release by now, I feel like by now is a tagline for suffering, not success, changes the game. And you invite success to show up moment by moment right here, right now. It doesn't have to be next week or when you lose the 10 pounds or find the person of your dreams or get that quote unquote perfect job. Yes. And I'm going to add the other by now, B-Y now, which is, well, if I buy this and then when Amazon delivers it to me later this afternoon or tomorrow, then I'll be happy. It's there, there's also that consumeristic mentality that gets coupled with time-bound expectations. And well, if I just have this next thing, I'm just going to go buy it. I'll also be happy. And it's, it still makes happiness and success out there and in the future, which takes away from our ability to be present, to be grateful for what has already happened and what is happening right now, today. And that Detachment from presence creates a lot of anxiety and stress. When we count on external circumstances for internal results, we will always struggle. I believe, and what I've discovered over time is that success and happiness and joy come from the inside out, not the outside in. Always, always. Such a powerful reminder today. So, two last questions. I'm going to let you get back to changing your part of the world and having an even more successful day beyond this conversation. Cause I just, Oh, you just, Oh, so many good things. So one is the first one is, is how do you define success for yourself right now today? 
Now I define success as may I have what I want and want what I have. And for that mid-level leader, you know, as soon as they stop listening to this amazingly powerful episode, what is the one thing you want them to do differently or would not want them to do? Invite them to do differently so that they can begin to feel that internal success that we know that they can have, but they may not believe it quite yet. Two options. The first is create space. Busy is a belief that we hold. And as soon as this show ends, I invite your listeners to look at your calendar, personal and professional, and look at your to-do list and ask three questions and a bonus question to reclaim even a few minutes of time and to create space. First, does it have to be? Second, does it have to be me? Third, does it have to be me right now? Bonus question, does it have to be a meeting? Those questions will help even on a temporary basis find little ways you can divest before you invest. Now, when you create this space, one activity we were talking about burnout and we've been talking about values and you know you might not be clear on your priorities there's a really powerful experiment that was started at Stanford University with a group of burnout university students that has since been repeated with everyone from entrepreneurs to executives and everyone in between with the same results and here's what they discovered if you use a physical pen and paper you remember those <laughs> i love them yes i love <laughs> And you set a timer for 10 minutes, only 10 minutes, and you use that 10 minutes to write about your one top value and how your top value shows up in everyday life. What the Stanford researchers discovered that will be as true for you as it is for everyone around you is that even 10 minutes one time writing about your top value and how your top value shows up in your everyday life will help you access higher degrees of resilience new ideas, create choices, and over time demonstrate a higher sustained level of well-being, happiness, joy, and performance. And here's the magic behind it. Even if your circumstances do not change, being clear about your values will help you change the way you see your circumstances. Mm. 10 minutes a day is going to bring clarity, energy, a new perspective. And by the way, those benefits happen even if you do that just one time. Just one time. You don't even have to do it every day. You could do it for 10 minutes over this weekend. It will give you a boost. Yes. Oh, so practical, so easy, so quick. Mm, I love that. Well, Karen, I want to wrap up our time together today. And the thing that's occurring to me is there's a lot of people that we're, when we're in the presence of confidence, um, it can feel a little intimidating. And, and I've certainly got that. I've received that feedback before. And we've had the good fortune of actually interacting three times this week. Which is how the universe works. I know. So good. And I'm just realizing that in your presence, I feel your joy, your calmness, your confidence, your sense of self. And it makes me want to have even more of that for myself. So I'm unbelievably grateful for the presence that you create in this world and grateful that you would be willing to share 
um, and invest time with us and with me and with our listeners. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. My pleasure, thank you. And I would just love to close with saying to everyone, you are already a success. I mean, success is not a destination. Success is not a location. You are already a success and permission granted to pursue your priorities. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. All right, my friend, if you were just listening to the audio, you couldn't see me feverishly taking all of these notes. There were so many great clips, snippets, quips that I want to take into my day starting right away. And I want to invite you to do the same. So I'm going to share with you the 20% of the content that is the most impactful, that is going to be most valuable to me. I think most valuable to you, but I want to hear what's most valuable to you from Karen's story, wherever you're listening or watching in share your top level learnings with us in the comments so we can learn from you. That's where the best stuff happens. All right. So, you know, Karen started us off with her old definition of success and the reason I want to highlight this is because I'm guessing that this is also your definition of success and Karen's invitation to rethink that is unbelievably powerful, right? Like she was modeling what she saw from other quote unquote successful people. And it was saying yes to every opportunity or every new project or every new pivot, whatever that was. Number two, delivering effortlessly or seeming to be effortlessly. And then three, getting more opportunity, a bigger title, probably a bigger pay raise, more responsibility, a bigger team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One, if that's not your definition of success, that more and more and more, that's okay. That's great. Define your definition of success, but pay attention to what it feels like when you say yes to new projects, to, to, to your manager, to your colleagues, if saying yes to other people is requiring you to say no to yourself, that may not be what your success is supposed to look like. And that is absolutely okay. And remember, you know, Karen talks about the difference between using this language around boundaries versus priorities. The pressure that we put on ourselves with modern self-help psychology or pop psychology around boundaries, I think is a little too heavy handed. And I really like the way that she used the word creating priorities for ourselves in our life right now, because our life's priorities do ebb and flow depending on so many different things, right? Our phase of life, our phase of career, uh, what our parents are going through, what our kids are going through, what our significant others are going through, what our other family members are going through. That should change what your day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month priorities are, and that's okay. And she said, divest before you invest. I love that so much. And that's just, that's going to be inspiration for me moving forward. You know, we always hear about the opportunity costs of saying yes to something means we have to say no to something else. It's the exact same premise. And just the way she's, she said it today, it, it just really landed on my heart in a way that I want to take that moving forward. And I hope you do too, you know, um, to go along with that. She said, not everything is an and sometimes it needs to be an or, right? You can be you can be successful with this project or this project, but maybe now is not the time to be successful with both projects. And that is okay. I feel like, and I hope that the 
that the pandemic has taught us some of the limitations of our humanness. Um, and in order to have presence in the right places in our life at the right time, that means not having presence everywhere. So I really hope that you'll take that to heart. And you know, this, this, um, this last one that I'll leave you with actually two last things. One is create choice for yourself. You're never as stuck as you think that you are. And if you feel really, really stuck, get that outside counsel. It could be a coach. It could be a friend who's going to shoot it to you straight. It could be a manager, a colleague, but bring in a resource for you. That's going to help you see what choices you do really have, because there are very, very, very few chances, or I'm sorry, very, very, very few situations in life where you truly have zero choice. I know that to be true. What's what's funny, she didn't use this word, I'm gonna use this word, but having apathy for how people perceive how you're prioritizing your life can be very empowering. You know, that 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 notion that we've got to be able to please other people and we when we ask permission to have our priorities, we're asking permission from other people to be happy and you do not need to ask permission from other people to be happy. Now, sometimes do you need to negotiate, navigate priorities with your manager for your company? Absolutely. But if there are things that you need to do for you as a human being in order to be at your best for your company, you can make those much less non-negotiable than probably you currently think you, you can right now. All right, my friend, those are the things I'm taking with me today. I don't know if you noticed, I had tears in my eyes. These messages just touched me in such a special way today, obviously in the way that I needed to hear them. And I hope that it did the same for you. So now let's get back to that work that is impactful, important, successful by your definition. And I'll see you next time, my friend.